0: Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice for Thursday, September the 7th, 2017. Woo! My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based here in Nashville, Tennessee. Metrock. I'm joined by two phenomenal guest panelists today. Bob Stolzberg, CEO of VoiceXP. Say hello.
1: Woo! What up, everybody? It's a pleasure to be here. This is Bob Stolzberg. I am the chief innovation officer and founder of VoiceXP. Got okay. Else coming in to, uh, for CEO role, but thank you. Then there you go. So
0: I'll I'll uh, I'll edit that, <laughs> or I won't. Uh, <laughs> ah,
2: yeah, uh, we're live, freestyle. Yeah.
0: Bob, thank you for setting the time aside and joining us. You guys are doing some incredible stuff. And I, but Brian, I will get to you in just a second, but I'm going to give my voice XP spiel. Voice XP is the exclusive sponsor of this Week in voice and the Voice First Roundtable, a huge partner uh, of us here at Voice First FM and they are blazing the trail in voice technology. They are taking the lead in developing Alexa skills for some of the best brands in the world. With Voice XP, all you have to do is say it to revolutionize your marketing strategy. Seriously, if you have not gone to voicexp.com yet, stop the podcast, go there right now. You'll be much better off for doing so. Bob, thank you for joining us. Oh my gosh, it is such a pleasure to share uh, history in the making and what we're doing with
1: large brands and enterprise businesses with the rest of the world. I feel every day is seriously the most exciting time to be alive in technology uh, I know there's a lot of things
0: happening in the world, but from a tech front, it doesn't get any better than this. Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't couldn't agree more with, with what you said. And we're also joined by Brian Romley. Brian, say hello.
2: How you doing, Bradley? Woo, Brian! <laughs>
0: doing, doing good, Brian. So share with us uh, what's going on in your world right now with readmultiplex.com. And everybody who's listening needs to go there, uh, but uh, tell, fill us in with what you're doing.
2: Well, just working on uh, some new stories. Uh, I think I'll have a, a little bit of write-up about deeper aspects of voice commerce and some of the things that are going to take place in the show today concerning Kohl's and Home Depot and maybe another surprise that I might be able to announce by the time this show is complete uh, and out, but we'll see. But okay. you know, exciting news coming. And, uh, I gotta, I gotta second that Bradley voice XP is cutting edge technology. Great group of individuals up there really changing things up. I encourage and have encouraged many brands and companies to go in that direction. So go there.
0: Oh, wow. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Thank <laughs> you guys very much. Uh, um, so I had the privilege, Bob, of joining you last week uh, at a panel that, uh, a couple panels that, that y'all ran in St. Louis. And thank you very much for having me. It was a privilege. I got to meet uh, Nandini Stocker of Google, who was up there. And obviously, you guys are doing phenomenal things um, in St. Louis for St. Louis. It was a pleasure to see.
1: Oh, thank you. It's really, you know, based on what the the feedback was from the guests that attended both our executive luncheon and our uh, user group meetup that, Bradley, you and Voice First provided a lot of knowledge Uh, and shared so much great things. It was a lot of inspiration. So thank you for being a guest. And I also want to thank Nandini Stocker, who's one of the, uh, she's the lead conversation design advocate at Google. Uh, Phenomenal rock star. You know, everybody was so impressed with the knowledge that everybody shared around voice and, and the excitement around it. So thank you both for being
0: part of it. Before we get into the news, I want to mention one additional thing. Voice First FM is hitting the road. In September, we are uh, going to our first conference. Uh, we're going to the Intelligent Assistance Conference, taking place September 18th and 19th, out in the Bay Area. Uh, the folks at Opus Research have been very gracious to to uh, work with us on partnering with them to uh, interview a lot of the the speakers that they have and uh, be a media partner for their event. And uh, we're thrilled to do it. It's the start of of a lot of relationships that we want to have with different events and things going on. You know, uh, We want to be out there. We want to be out there in the community and growing Voice First FM. So I just want to make sure everyone listening knows that if you're in the Bay Area, you need to go to the Intelligent Assistance Conference, Google it, look it up, buy a ticket. And when you do, Come say hello to us. It will be very obvious where we're set up. We're going to be uh, broadcasting throughout the conference um, and come say hello.
1: Yeah. And also I want to add Bradley shout out to Opus research. These uh, the team has been doing a phenomenal job, keeping their finger on the pulse of the voice industry. Um, I, they hit my radar, you know, close to January timeframe and I'm really impressed. Uh, I, I I see information coming out of them that even the leaders like Gartner aren't putting out yet. So Great firm to get details from,
2: Bradley. Uh, I got to. I got to say, it's, a, it's just really great to see Voice First FM reaching out. And Dan over at Opus has been one of the grandfathers of this whole uh, movement. He started when. Everybody thought, you know, IVR was was the uh, epitome of the voice-first revolution. And uh, I give them a lot of credit for helping shape a, a lot of the direction and imaginations of uh, some of the early developers and certainly all the way out today. I will be joining you there. Uh, uh, myself and Dan will be doing sort of a fireside chat about the future and um, look forward to seeing you there.
0: Yeah, yeah, all very exciting. Um, so with that... Let's get to the news. And let's talk about how company after company after company is choosing sides in this voice the the, the overall voice battle but specifically voice commerce. And we got two big stories this week that sort of epitomize this. Home Depot selected Google Home uh, to partner with for voice ordering of uh, their different uh, you know their products uh, while Amazon partnered with Kohl's to open up Uh, little mini stores inside of Kohl's, a very interesting story there. So, Bob, I want to start with you. Yeah. What do you take away from these two stories, and how do you view this uh, ongoing war between uh, Google and Amazon to sort of uh, achieve superiority in voice?
1: Well, you know, I draw a lot of parallels to my experiences in the enterprise cloud space, from the past 20 years. And what we've seen is people, businesses and brands put their foot in the water with a trusted partner, a trusted service provider. And then after they get that adoption of the technology, they go multi-cloud, right? They try to be uh, agnostic or mitigate risk and be diverse. I think we're going to see the same thing play out. The reality is brands uh, can feel that Amazon is a threat to their business because, you know, just the nature of the beast. So I can understand why some of them, you know, become allies with Google as opposed to Amazon. But I think in the long run, These brands are going to have to adopt a multi-provider voice strategy, you know, being able to play in both spaces. Uh, But Voice XP is launching today the first ever Alexa Black Friday ad campaign. And it works on Google Assistant platform as well. But this is huge because we're talking to so many major brands about rolling out their Black Friday and Cyber Monday and holiday special ads Through a branded skill. So you could do something like Alexa, ask Best Buy the Black Friday ad, and you could get details and have a conversation around that. And this is a great way for them to put the foot in the water during this holiday season, get data, metrics, feedback, and figure out how to have their 2018 strategy really take off from there
2: i've been following this for a very long time since the 1980s and you know i i sort of started to conceive the idea of voice commerce back in that uh, early epoch and and i've always seen an amalgamation of uh online what became online commerce and uh what i was thinking in that era more like mail order and phone order and physical retail and the thing that most people who are sometimes really quite versed in tech and, and and even merchants that they're missing about voice commerce is that it's crossing all of these barriers that existed before in ways that few can understand what the repercussions are. Let's look at the Home Depot scenario first, because it's quite different. You know, there is a significant number of transactions that take place at certainly office uh, companies like staples and office depot the low-hanging fruit on the tree in voice commerce is reordering and this is where somebody is not unsure of doing the transaction they know the product already they don't physically need to have to see it it's a fallacy that so many people say well i need to see what the paper towels look like really after a hundred times buying it, when do you need to stop looking at it? It takes just about five or six, re- uh, five or six purchases to the point where you get to reordering without having to see it. Home Depot has a lot of s- scenarios where reordering or ordering of things that are known are going to take place. The obvious are light bulbs and things of that nature. I can go down the whole tree, but I, I'll leave that for somebody's own imagination. I've identified at Home Depot about 117 items that are ripe for uh, reordering. Now, the interesting part about it is these are items that are in the top 300 of items being sold at Amazon. So Google is seeing this as a strategic way to align with existing uh, merchants so that they can somehow catch up to Amazon's uh, voice commerce retail and online strategy. It's a good first step, but I think as we sort of talked about pre-show, Google will need... Orders of magnitude, more focus, more leadership, and more vision on how to do this. Um, one-off relationships with um, you know, Walmart and Home Depot, unfortunately, on the long arc of this, is really not going to uh, cut it. And on the other side is the Kohl's scenario. Amazon is opening up a 1,000-square-foot store in the middle of Kohl's retail Uh, Right now, it's limited to 10 uh, markets, 10 stores, apparently. I believe that that's going to expand to about 50 from my insiders quite rapidly. It turns out that some of the employees manning the 1,000-square-foot store will be Amazon employees. And that should let a lot of people ponder. It turns out that an inordinately large amount of women's clothing market, specifically the professional women's clothes apparel market, is owned by Kohl's. And there's a lot of reasons for that. A lot of it has to do with situational, where they're located. They have great uh, locations. Number two is quality of product. Number three is quite interesting in-house name brands that are correlated with... Sometimes famous people, sometimes famous uh, prior famous brands like Candies and things like that. Women are sort of more inclined to do maybe five or six shoes to try on and send four back and they like one or send five back and they like nothing because it's free shipping. But clothing is a much different sort of experience. It's much more tactile and it's much harder to do that in a virtual setting. Not to say it's not happening, of course, Certainly, activewear is doing exceedingly well on Amazon. Amazon's own in-house brand of activewear is having a damaging effect on a lot of uh, yoga pants and uh, other types of uh, purchases. But for general, especially professional women's wear, they need to try it on. They need to feel it, touch it, see what it looks like. Kohl's is a great avenue for that. Well, I could say there's, a, in my mind, a really good chance that you're going to see either a partnership or an acquisition of Kohl's by Amazon. I think the, the the stage needs to be set correctly for that to take place, uh, but I don't think you allow, you know, a retailer like Amazon into your store. And your are Kohl's, and you're not a dumb bunny. I mean, Kohl's has survived an incredibly, incredibly aggressive market that took Nordstrom's and Macy's and other, you know, long brands uh, by surprise.
1: What and, they're doing is, su- is supporting an ecosystem, right? You go to Kohl's, you get you, you pick up your Amazon stuff, you, you, like what you would at an Amazon locker. I'm sure they'll do delivery there. You buy what you need. You get yourself some Starbucks. You get your kids their, you know, Spider-Man pajamas. It's all in one spot now, Right. But what I think is interesting, Brian, is you have your head focused on the commerce side. And I think what's what's really gonna be the game changer is when, when the Google commerce is baked, the Google transactions so people can buy things through them. Same with Amazon. Like nobody else is really transacting through that native platform. It's you gotta bolt on to it. And that's going to really open up, I think, next year. Right now, these brands need to get present on these platforms to be relevant. Because uh, I'll give you an example. We just signed our most recent platinum rapper. I can't tell you who, uh, but when his single comes out, everybody will know. This guy's been in the game for 15 years, household name, and he's changing the game. We're disrupting the music industry because he is. we're writing the software form that his fans can get a subscription service. You can buy the single, buy the album straight from the source, right? It's, you just go to the Alexa skill or the Google action to go and, and engage with that, that artist brand. This is what's going to cause, in addition to the children's skills on Amazon, once this stuff hits mainstream media in music videos, with celebrity endorsements, in movies, full tilt, it 's the most exciting time to be in tech it 's the fourth wave, right? Like you guys heard Brian and Bradley say there was web and then there was mobile and then there was social well this this voice surprise is opens up so many opportunities so
2: i 've been on the Vans warp Tour for fifteen years, and uh, the interesting thing about the warp tour is it 's uh, psychodemographic or primarily um, early teens uh in preteens to uh, mid to late teens. And it's been an entirely interesting ecosystem. I was the I identified Snapchat as a as a phenomenon uh, within three and a half months of the app being put out and I observed it in real time. You know, typically a stop it's uh it's thirty five dates and forty days. So it's not Your classic rock and roll tour, it's hardcore, very hard on the artist type of scenario. We see between thirty and 50,000 fans each stop. And so you get a really good feel about what's going on in that demographic. What I noticed is the last three years, more and more people doing either pizza phone, talking into their phone, or just picking up their phone and text messaging. And know what they were doing, they were using their voice to interact. And they were using their voice to text their friends and their family and stuff like that. So they're using their thumbs less. That's going to matriculate up. But getting down to music, what I've always understood about, especially a punk tour, is the the idea of DIY, do-it-yourself, E-I-Y, earn-it-yourself. Very, I wouldn't say anti-label, but very agnostic to labels. And the band's Warped Tour gave, gave voice to the ability of independent bands and about a year ago, I started talking to bands about how they would use things like Alexa. This is going to be a must-have. I don't care who you are as an artist. It's very much like not having your music on iTunes or not having a website. If you don't have a voice first presence across all platforms, and that's very equivalent to a major corporation saying, okay, I need a website presence. Let me put our, let's put our business card or brochure up on the web. You must think about the repercussions of the brand image, the brand reputation, and the brand persona that you're creating in these voice-first environments. If you just simply put you know, your Q&A up on the, uh, on the voice platform, you're missing the whole point of this new medium.
0: This past weekend, just getting back to your point, Bob, about uh, music and, and artists taking advantage of voice uh, technology and voice first platforms, uh, I spent part of my weekend enabling the Sirius XM skill on the Echo show. That must and have been fun. Uh, It it took a little, it it was not um, seamless. (laughs) No,
2: it was not seamless. Good.
0: Uh, But uh, I I had to uh, uh, dig up uh, one or two of my wife's passwords because you you took one account to get in and then you had to set up another account on top of it. But uh, I I digress. Once it was set up, uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And um, and I, I my, I'm leading to my main point of uh, you know Bob the incredible things you're doing with Voice XP and Brian you know all of your thought leadership people are just now getting into thinking about how they're going to take advantage of of voice but even one step beyond that is thinking about how to take advantage of something like the Echo Show Bob with Voice XP uh, you you guys will be at the Alexa conference shameless plug. At the election <laughs> conference in January, talking about the Echo Show. Uh, but uh, the Echo Show is even one step, one more standard deviation, more innovation than even what we're talking about. Because uh, once you've got your voice interactions in play, then you afford yourself the opportunity of thinking about how you're going to take advantage of a piece of equipment. And I'll, I'll close this thought by just simply saying, I had the privilege of interviewing Tim O'Reilly, uh, tech luminary and legend Tim O'Reilly yesterday. I got a mom. Book for a new episode of the Voice First Roundtable, which will be released later this month at his request uh, in conjunction with his book uh, publicity. He's got a new book coming out uh, October 10th called WTF. Uh, What's the future and why it's up to us. Go to Amazon and pre-order that. Anyhow, um, he, Did not know he has not used the Echo Show. This will be on the podcast. uh, Some discussion about this. He had an Echo Look uh, sent to him from Amazon. Was not pleased with the product and uh, did not not, um, send it to me, Tim. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah, He needs to do something. Uh, He he was not.
2: I can tell you why Tim didn't like it. He was not the cohort direct audience for that product. It was really a bad move. Uh, I could I could tell you it's taking off amongst a certain cohort. We brought it up in the shows before. It's it's not uh, you know.
0: It's not for him. Yeah, it's not for him. And it's so not for most males. But, to but, be but he hadn't. Uh, he had used that as a pretense to not investigate the Echo Show. And I told him, and you'll hear it on the podcast. I said, Tim, you need to go buy the Echo Show. Yeah. It's a magical. It's a magical device, and Bob, you can speak more to it, but I know we're all in agreement. It's just a phenomenal device that music artists use and many other folks. Game changer. And before I talk about it, I just want to quickly uh, kind of rebuttal
1: something Brian said. Right there, this. The stuff, this voice thing caught everybody by surprise. If you weren't talking about it 19 months ago, you're like 99.99% of all brands out there. Okay. I talk to so many fortune 2000 CVD leadership on a weekly basis, and everybody is just trying to figure it out. And I, I what we do is we give you guys a crawl, walk, run approach. There's no shame in saying, you know what, we're going to, it's just like having a basic website. You put your company info about us, your locations, vision, mission, leadership, right? That is great. That's a that's a good place to start. Then you then you go to that walk phase and you have some dynamic content that gets integrated with APIs and databases, and then you get your marketing engine wrapped up around it. But I just want to point out there's no shame in starting this year with just having no presence
2: i'm not saying there's shame uh, what i'm saying is get off your ass and start moving yeah, totally. on it uh, the problem the problem is right now is that there are many people that are stroking beards and wondering what, what do we need do? to do what should i do and and, 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 and you, know, you know,
1: know yeah your competition is calling voice xp and we're helping so many do that like yes the sense of urgency is this this is what i tell people amazon sold 3.3 3 million echo dots on prime day yeah just the dots
2: yeah QVC uh, I, selling the Echo I would say that number is like, actually a little higher uh, oh,
1: Totally uh, yeah. right? But if you don't know as a marketer That the number one holiday present this year Is going to be part of the Amazon Echo family And a Google Assistant product You need to reevaluate Your uh, position in marketing Wait
2: until everybody yeah. sees Echo, uh, the Echo 2 I mean the Echo 2 right. will be out in, in Shortly
1: guess so that's
2: going to really kick it up That's going to kick it up to a much higher level yeah. uh, The price, the performance, everything
1: the hard sell is this when 10 million Americans with 10 million people around the globe plug in this device and ask about your brand on December 26th are you going to have a voice that's the sense of urgency is
2: that's why i was saying you know you should have been doing this a while ago if you are a major brand and you don't have this ready for what back to school the number one selling item for back to school in target all across this country was the Echo Dot. Okay, Target I just got selling one in the room. Echo dots. Yeah, this
0: I just was bought three today.
2: Yeah, this this was beyond scientific calculators, which are usually a number one electronics item. This surpla- surpassed everything. In fact, it's the number one selling item. Period for back to school. Not just in electronics. Yeah. And I did that empirically. I started, go, you're not going to see it anywhere else. I went out to targets. I went to 17 targets, talked to the managers. We did accounts. We did pre-counts and post-counts. And again, this is not officially ordained by target. I do this research kind of gorilla. And then we extrapolated that by doing some random calling around the country. And I can tell you that nothing, I've never seen target managers so befuddled they sold out and kept selling out and they kept selling out on Echo Dots. So this is not only a generational shift because these are young minds that are being formed around not using their thumbs anymore, not do- downloading apps as much, if ever, you know, at some point in their life, completely changing the way they see things. So That's it's right. a it's a big shift. And yeah, if you're a brand, you need to do this right now
1: to get back to what Bradley said the echo show is without a doubt the game changer this is like everybody getting a pc in the in the you know 80s or 90s whenever you came up like so many people are going to come on with this thing that's going to allow them to get voice and visual content hands free on demand through a personalized experience um, i you know our whole firm pivoted our development on June 28th when this device came out because we know that every brand is going to want to have their content reflected on this visual device. It's programming HTML in 1997 all over again. You got to be the best in it. Know the different templates that Amazon has available and how to fit your content, whatever it is, to make it look good, sound good, And feel good
0: because it's it's all about a voice experience just to button this up uh, because we got to move on to our next uh, stories but uh, there's not enough superlatives to uh use to describe the echo show amazon's done everybody a favor by putting this technology out there and showing people a glimpse into the future because that's exactly what it is and as i go around bob you heard me say it in st louis i'm not a former amazon employee i'm not a current amazon employee I'm not a future Amazon employee. Uh, um, you might I'm be. I <laughs> I, I, have it I,
2: listen, um, I got to uh, say this. I got to <laughs> say this. There are maybe a hundred really prime voice first experts on the planet today. That yep. number is not going to dramatically change. These are people who have deep, deep knowledge about the space holistic uh, ho- holographically and holistic in, in, in a, in a deep way. And I can tell you, that is not enough. There there needs to be thousands, and it's going to take maybe three or four years to start developing some of those talents and skills across all all realms of technology. Well, and that,
0: yeah, and that's the role I see Voice First FM playing. You Absolutely. Know, every company needs leadership in Voice First technology. They need to get it from somewhere, and in the uh, very likely event that it's not uh, on their own payroll currently... They need to look up people like VoiceXP. You know, look up people like Ahmed. You know, with Lingo, go to that list or look up whoever, but go find it because not only do you need the uh, technological expertise uh, to guide you, but. Amazon and we talked a little bit about this before the show. It, it, there's gonna be books written. You know, Brian, maybe you and I need to collaborate on one yeah. and, and and I want voice first FM to do a documentary as well uh, about uh breathe into more and more video, uh, some actual video as opposed to our Periscope stuff. But you know, I, I would love to do a documentary on what's going on in voice uh, technology as well because what Amazon Mike is Jones, doing, where you at? Vice Magnets <laughs> beyond this. There That's you go. The but, best uh, thing ever. What Amazon is doing right now is a historic legendary pace that it takes almost a weekly news show to keep up with. And even all, even then it's actually difficult. It's why Gary Vaynerchuk, who we're going to have on the voice first Roundtable in December, uh, directed several people in his company to listen to the, this week in voice as part yep. of their job. Um, because it's a, uh, it's a break breakneck pace that Amazon, uh, is, is taking us on and it just provides another, Thing to be reckoned with for companies trying to navigate these waters. So you absolutely, you got to go find yourself an expert and hold on to them. It's going to be fun to, to to watch it play out, and it dovetails well with our second story, which I want to get into. Really, there's two major stories this week. We just talked at length about the first one, but the second one is this is not just another privacy story. Uh, we're mm-hmm. going to have we're going to have privacy stories um, every week. Uh, I could have a whole I could talk about it all day, every day, if I wanted to. But uh, this one is a little bit different. Uh, this one is a uh, – uh, it just sort of gives you – just like the Echo Show gives you chills because it's it's a sign of what you know our kids, grandkids, great-grandkids will be using and interacting with uh, their whole lives. This is something totally th- – this just gives you chills for other reasons. So this article talks about inaudible audio triggering voice-first devices. And, Brian, I'm going to start with you on this. Yeah. Um, Please, uh, you know, help either take me one way or the other. Help me, (laughs) help help me feel better about this, and and uh, take the nightmares away or uh, help me build the bunker
2: okay i'm going to turn the light on bradley okay so there's no d- dark monsters in the closet or under the bed and uh so let me turn on the spotlight first ultrasonics i've been working for about 27 months communicating to Alexa, siri cortana uh not so much cortana but mostly Alexa, siri in ultrasonic range what that means is i can take a sound like a voice command, send it up into the ultrasonic frequency slightly above what a dog would hear.
0: Like a dog whistle?
2: It's beyond a dog whistle. It's like a dog whistle. And it can respond to it, okay, as if you were saying it in your true voice. There's a lot of reasons why these systems hear in the ultrasonic range. Let me tell you one of them. There's something called echolocation and noise cancellation. And with the beam-forming microphones that you see in the Alexa, there's seven uh, uh, radial microphones and uh, eight in the show. These these microphones need to be able to identify where you are. One of the ways it does that is by, and this is a little, little bit of a insider knowledge I'm giving out here. It's not patented or anything. But one of the ways they do that is ultrasonics reverberate off of Uh, Let's call them porous materials like cloth in a much different way than normal audible sounds. Yet, there's still information that's held inside that frequency, even though you're not obviously talking in the ultrasonics. It's about as much as I want to say about it. There's this information we get, but let me tell you why. It's not such a big deal. First off, any command that you give that even slightly might not be something nice like purchasing something, you're going to get a response back from your voice first device in the audible range. It's not going to respond in the ultrasonic range. Damn. So, so if, if somebody sends an ultrasonic command in a, somebody's voice to say, erase the entire hard drive, you're going to hear the computer come back saying, did you really want me to erase the entire hard drive? So it's easy to kind of hand wave and run down the road with this. Now, Are there ways to protect? Yes. In my experimentation with the 27-odd months I've been doing this, I've been using it so as not to disturb people, right? Because all of my research, primarily using Raspberry Pis to initiate these conversations, is sometimes I would send a command to Alexa that I just didn't want anybody to hear at the moment. And a, a lot of times it is really to sort of make Alexa a dialogue system without anybody really noticing how I'm doing that. It should have been talked about. I kept it quiet out of respect. I think it's all going to be worked out. I think probably the knee jerk reaction is that we're going to get ultrasonic filters being used on these devices so that people feel safe, and then we're going to have a lot less accuracy as far as what somebody is saying. I think that's
0: they got to the, wrap their hands. They got wrap to their, wrap their hands and their heads around this quick because uh, this is. Yeah. More of a PR problem. Uh, th- this never should have come out in an article like well, this, Bradley.
2: I struggled with it. I, I I talked to my insiders at the various companies. It's not like they didn't know about it. I, I did. I was the first person to bring it up. I mean, twenty-seven months ago, who the hell was thinking about this, right? Well, I, this. I brought it up out of out of an honor to them. I said, "Listen, I can invoke through Ultrasonics. Just want to let you know, folks." And some, I am not going to mention who. Some said, "Big deal. Who cares?"
0: This has to be disclosed. This has to be talked about. A bunch by these companies from this point forward the equivalent is like if i went to home depot and i bought a front door which i actually just did recently (laughs) and uh and then i find out uh in an article two months later that has a peephole uh, gone the other way (laughs) well yeah as opposed to the keys that home depot gave me there's also this other way to get into my house that they never told me about and now i got to do something else and think about it it's just unacceptable and and this type of thing it's it's been rare for this broadcast to contemplate issues that could undo so much of the momentum that uh, has been acquired but this is one of them and bob i want to get to you what are your thoughts on this and how did this strike you you know i'm uh, it's an important topic but it's not something i'm really passionate about i'm more
1: focused on helping brands adopt the technology and when we address security you know i mean it's co- it's common sense number 1 put the mute button on. It is hardwired into the device and it cannot be circumvented. So when not in use, put your mute button on. That's, that's the only way I do this. Uh, we've placed Alexa, I'm sorry, Amazon devices in boardrooms of Fortune 2000 companies and the mute button just isn't good enough for them. So like Brian mentioned, you have to have other security solutions or mechanisms built in place, right? For American Express, you have a PIN code that you have to enter in order to interact with your credit card uh, statement balance, et cetera. For some of our enterprise customers, they want more secure authentication with a multi-factor code that you have to speak into the device that gets text messaged or emailed to you to a person's device so that it knows, you know, hey, this person is asking for this. They actually do have access to get in it. You know, and, and the far, what you're describing with uh, the, the Sonics It's like a garage door opener, right? Like you could, you might be able to hack my garage door and get into my garage, but I have other locks in place so that you can't get into my house where I keep my valuables. Right. So again, we, I draw the parallels to just basic security and architecture of solutions to help circumvent, or at least try to alleviate some of these problems.
2: I agree. And I would add that it was a Chinese university that was doing this in a a theoretical setting. You know I, I, stood at the edge of my seat many, many months ago, years ago, actually. And I said, I wonder how this is going to come about. I think it could have come about worse. I think it, coming about in an academic study uh, actually proved that, that this is something much more theoretical than, than in reality. I, I felt if a hacker group found ways to really complicate people's lives and cause havoc, that would have been the worst way. There has to be new thinking around how we authenticate, how we validate, and yep. how we keep that validation.
1: I want to jump in and share my, my, my biggest security concern uh, stemmed from something that happened, I don't know, a couple months ago where if you had a, a version one of the Amazon Echo and you you know hackers were able to penetrate it with some uh, SD card, right? Well, they got onto a device. They got you know, root level access on the Linux file system and operating system that runs these echoes. And my biggest concern is that somebody's just going to reverse engineer this, find a buffer overflow, find a remote vulnerability, and then they really will have you know kind of botnet type capabilities. Or if you can, if you can talk to this device, you can essentially exploit it. Right? Install your own skill that that gets you root on this thing, like. That's my biggest fear is that people are going to get into the insides now that they have reverse engineered and, and expose new threats. And I can tell you from a security, I know lots of security uh, companies that have hired people to start R&D on this stuff, because when there's 50 million of these devices in households, right? Like that's a security risk, just like your mobile phone is. And it's, it's brand new space.
2: Any device you invite in your house has the potential of being exploited, you know? Yeah. You know, and, but you take a step back and most of the homes I see have panes of glass around their home. And with, with the tap of a small hammer or a rock, I can gain access into your home. It's not a very secure way of living, but what we do is we make these balances in our life. What we do is we say, I really like looking at the scenery. I like looking out. I don't want to live in a cinder block uh, box. So yes, when I'm gone, if somebody really wants to get in my house, guess what they can have at it because I'm not going to live like a prisoner. So
0: well, that's a great metaf- yeah. That's a great metaphor for what Amazon. I feel like, and, and Google too, probably to a lesser extent, needs to. It's
2: a balance.
0: Is about. About, the balance between this breakneck, credible, you know, new features every week, progress, progress, progress. You know, that's a beautiful thing, and like I said, uh, we honor it on this show, and it's the stuff that uh, needs to have books written about it. But maybe Absolutely. there could be a little bit more balance uh, because this right now uh, is their opportunity to correct this problem and, and, and integrate thinking about these ultrasonic sounds um, into the uh, operational workflow of how they're iterating on their hardware. I'm going to call an audible uh, like I've been known to do on this show. And uh, we've got time to discuss one more story. And the one I want to discuss, um, we've got some diff- very interesting stories this week. And we got more Amazon features of course uh coming out, the two-way sync and everything. Uh check that out. Uh the BBC is producing a voice based radio play, which is super interesting. Uh Dude. it's something called voice theater. Um, yeah, absolutely. That that goes to what you were saying, Bob, earlier about uh, you know, you were talking about musicians and artists Media. taking advantage. Yeah, taking advantage of the platform. This is a broader, uh, different type of application. And you can and, and you can imagine this like if uh, if you had a rap artist, for example, who put out a single and maybe uh, every uh, fourth bar, you know, the, the user can uh, can rap, you know, can can rap a lyric. You know, some, something like that is the equivalent of what the BBC is doing with this. It's very interesting. It gets better. You can you can have the, the users, fans
1: engage with it, send a send a recording back. And imagine running, you know, the, the T-Pain Harmonizer. You <laughs> sing it back and it does it. Like the same apps that you would run on your iPad with your kids. It's all—it's just another voice app, different user interface. So,
0: it, yeah. It, it, very, very, very cool. And I'm sure we'll have more um, implementations like this uh, to talk about in the future. The, the fifth story is eHarmony partners with Amazon. And this is a good one, too, uh, but I'm not going to dwell on it, uh, that... Uh, Basically, the gist of this is that through the Alexa skill that eHarmony has put together, you can oh my gosh. Uh, filter different uh, types of people, t- prospects that you're looking at and engage with them uh, in voice-first ways, uh, just uh, truly a, a, a different type of glimpse of, of That's things. That's crazy. It right. is. But what I want to cover before we uh, adjourn, and then the last story, of course, is what I mentioned earlier. Tim O'Reilly was on the voice-first roundtable. We look forward to releasing that later this month. But before we close, I want to talk about yet here's the millionth and millionth first articles uh, that uh, the media has graced us with talking about how Apple can come from behind and win, win in quotation marks, win being the media's terminology with the HomePod. Um, but this week is different. This week we had... It is. A new, it, is it is different because we had new entrants from Sony and Panasonic this week. Uh, that were announced in the smart speaker market. Um, so the competition just increased, you know, with two serious big time brands uh, getting into, I guess, what we'll call the audiophile smart speaker niche. Bob, I guess I'll start with you on this because uh, I, w- I want to close with talking about the HomePod for a moment. Okay. Uh, Bob, with what, you, you know, Voice XP is built around developing for Alexa you're developing for the Alexa ecosystem, but I yep. know you're while you're watching the HomePod closely. All of us are getting asked about it. Do you see the HomePod being able to compete right away, being able to compete in a year or two, or never being able to compete? Which, well, which one?
1: Speaking on the record as an Apple fanboy who built a career as an OS X you know Unix administrator, I've owned I've my I've owned uh, an Apple since the Apple II product line. Okay. I'm really disappointed. The market is saturated with smart speakers. whoop de doo there's, there's 10 of them on the market. That is not innovation. Um, I, I think Apple's a great company, but they're missing the mark on this. But I got to give them credit and a lot of props for what they're doing on the augmented reality front. I mean, their bread and butters are these phones. Uh, unless they, they get a mobile voice strategy together that like amplifies Siri, they need Siri version like 10.0 out there, right? Like they're going to miss the mark. I don't think the HomePod is going to be able to compete in this because I don't know anybody that's going to go. I personally don't know anybody that, uh, is, that is in a working class environment that's going to buy an Apple HomePod. And if I were a marketer, I would be investing my money on something that has a better ROI and and more opportunity. You cannot program something for a HomePod like you can a skill or an action for a a Google or Alexa device.
2: I think on a lot of different levels. First off, this is going to be one of the largest markets that we've ever seen. It's going to surpass uh, the the ownership of smartphones at some point in time. Uh, I believe that voice is going to be the fundamental uh, way that we interact with uh, computers and especially AI-mediated relationships. So, I, if I, if I take a long view of this, which Apple tends to take a long view, we are not even at the command line uh, version, and we haven't even seen the full, you know, uh, Mac OS, you know, come out. Meaning that if you look historically in, the, in in the context of where we are, these systems are exceedingly exceedingly simple. I mean, on on what I'm building on Raspberry Pis are five generations ahead. I have full dialogues that last 15 minutes with voice-first systems already, and that's where everybody's going to go. So when we take a look at this, we have to examine, what is Apple doing? Well, I would say that Apple listened to the wrong folks. And they had a huge advantage with Siri. Internally, they were not able to see Siri as more than an appendage to the OS, maybe an app to the OS. And when you looked at the internal changes at Apple and who just took over Siri, you could see that they're taking a much more decidedly different uh, uh, take on what this is going to represent. HomePod, what is it? HomePod is Apple's way to try to find the angle Into the home. They already secured the angle into the near field, and that's AirPods. But they waffled the opportunity to showcase Siri. I think that's going to change in the next six to eight months. I think we're going to start seeing the changes next Tuesday on how Siri will start taking a much more decided forefront in Apple. And HomePod is going to lead it on the far field. HomePod is going after the same group that Apple is doing exceedingly well with, and that is Beats. And a lot of people misunderstand how the consumer thinks about purchasing Apple products. And this has always been the problem with Apple. I'm not saying that they are competing with Amazon or Google at this point. What I am saying is sometimes they define their own market.
1: Yeah, you know, Apple, great brand. Extremely creative people there. You can't count them out because of their cash they're sitting on. Uh, and the fact that they have the celebrity endorsement, right? They're, they know how to get into music videos and product placement and get into mainstream. The ch- and and I, I agree with what Brian said from an artist standpoint. The problem is that this is an Apple product that's not a wearable, that you don't you know, open in public and associate your brand and your status with a watch, AirPods, a phone, a, a laptop, right? It's a fixed thing. So it's going to be all about the marketing, the creative and the, the artist brands and the music that they bring in. But I think it's fair for the voice industry to not judge the HomePod because they're they're branding it as a smart speaker. Alexa, is billed as a personal assistant, right? So even though it's voice, let's not be too quick to judge because might, it might be apples and oranges and I don't think it's fair to say until it's out, out on the market. Let's give them a chance. All right. We
0: can buy into that. I'm I'm, I'm down with that. Um,
2: Bradley, no applesauce today? Come on.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. You know, I, I, uh, you know, I'm fine with the wait and see approach, Um, you know, I just uh, and plus next week. You're right, Brian. uh, It'll be interesting to see um, what they uh, what they hit us with at the press event. Uh,
2: All I can tell you is there's going to be a lot to be talking about after what Apple does next week.
0: Hey, let's hope it's all good. Uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time today. This was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for uh, sharing your time and your insight, uh, both Bob and Brian. For this week in voice, thank you for listening. And until next time.